Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Shabbat Shalom. We are continuing on our ongoing series on the, on the book of 1 John. Today's part 10. We're going to look today at a portion of the first half of 1 John chapter 3 and the theme of adoption into God's family. And we're actually going to start at the very end of chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start there. So turn with me to 1 John 2, verse 28. We have that on the overhead as well. We can turn to the next uh, slide. There we go. And now, dear children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then the reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And what we shall be hasn't yet been made known. But we know that when Messiah appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Those who are born of God will not continue to sin. For God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Those who don't do what's right are not God's children. Uh, nor are those who don't love their brothers and sisters. Amen. Notice how many times in this passage uh, John uses family-type language. Uh, he uses the words children, born uh, to a father, brothers and sisters. Twelve references to family in just these twelve verses. So here's the truth I want us to see today, and we're going to put it on the overhead. If you want to experience assurance of eternal life, you must understand adoption into God's family. Let me say that again. If you want to know the assurance of your salvation, you must understand and know that you've been adopted into God's family. More specifically, to be a Yeshua follower means you've not just been born. No one is born a child of God. To be a Yeshua follower means you've been born again as a child of God. 1 John 3, 1 says we're children of God. That's what we are now uh, in Messiah Yeshua. Uh, but that's not what we were. We were separated from God by our sin. That's what we were. We were spiritual orphans. Not children of God, 
the children of wrath. Ephesians 2, uh, beginning at verse 1, says, Prior to knowing Yeshua, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were rebels, sinners, following after Satan, the ruler of this world, gratifying the cravings of your sinful nature, living as objects of wrath. You were separated from God by your sin, having nothing to commend you to God, deserving eternal separation. We had nothing in us to draw us to God. Nothing. And God, despite your sin, chose to pursue you. Look at Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 3. Praise be to the God, our Father of our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah. In love, he chose us for adoption to sonship through Messiah Yeshua. In him we have redemption through, uh, through, the, through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. There was nothing in you to draw you to God. Nonetheless, in Messiah Yeshua, you were pursued and adopted by God as his children. Now, adoption does not happen by accident. Uh, My sister adopted a little girl from China. Uh, My wife, Elizabeth's sister, adopted two boys from Guatemala. They didn't just show up one day in China or in Guatemala and pick up their kids. No. It took months and months of work and travel and legalities and paperwork and expense. It involved home studies uh, and being fingerprinted, uh, background reports, uh, a physical with a clean bill of health, uh, interviews. Then they had to go to a court hearing in the child's home country and be interviewed by a local Chinese or Guatemalan judge. And, of course, they had to hire lawyers and pay all those lawyer fees. (laughs) And through this process, Sarah became my sister's daughter. And Carlos and Christopher became Elizabeth's sister's sons. I share all that to remind you that the God of the universe has done this for you. Ephesians 1 says, before the creation of the world, God was pursuing you. God indeed invaded our world, crossing all boundaries of sin, not sending an angel, but coming himself and dying on the cross to rescue you, to rescue you from sin and death and grave and the devil and hell, and to make you his child. If you're in Messiah Yeshua, you have been adopted by God. Now, when the judge signed the adoption papers in China and the other judge signed the adoption papers in Guatemala. That wasn't the end of the story for Carlos and Christopher and for Sarah. It was just the beginning. It was the beginning of a life together as a family for Elizabeth's sister and her husband and for my sister and her husband. And they're now, and they're now uh, their children now entering into their families and living this life together. Now, Elizabeth's sister and my sister, they now get to pour out their love upon Sarah and upon Carlos and Christopher every day. And in the same way, this is what it means for you to be adopted into God's family in Messiah Yeshua. It's not only that Yeshua died for you on the cross 2,000 years ago, but God lives to pour out his love for you today as your father. You who are separated from God by your sins... You've now been adopted by God as his child through the gospel. This is the greatest news in the universe. Though you were a spiritual orphan in your trespasses and sins, God has come to you in Messiah Yeshua 
and pursued you and paid a price for your sins and transgressions and rebellion. And he's made a way for you to be adopted as his child and brought into his family if you submit your life to him. Indeed, let me encourage you, if you've not yet submitted your life to Yeshua, this adoption into God's family can happen for you today. If you turn from your sin and you turn from yourself and you turn to Yeshua in faith and trust, the love of the Father is reaching out to you. But you must respond. And if you have received the love of God and Messiah in, in Yeshua, you now to reflect that love back uh, in how you live and how you interact with other people. Look at 1 John 3, beginning in verse 11. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We know that we've passed from death to life. Why? Because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a fellow believer is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in them. This is how we know what love is. Yeshua the Messiah laid down his life for us. And we are to lay down our lives for one another. You receive his love, so therefore you may reflect his love. I want you to see other believers in their life in these terms. You receive and then you reflect Messiah's love. Uh, famous author J.I. Packer in his book Knowing God he puts it like this on the overhead he says what is a Yeshua follower the question can be answered in many ways but the richest answer I know is that a Yeshua follower is one who has God as his father that's the essence of what it means to be a believer a Yeshua follower Uh, Packer he then goes on to explain how the scriptures especially the new covenant scriptures teach this over and over again And he points to our verse here in 1 John 3, verse 1 as an example. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what great love the Father's lavished on us, that we should be called God's children. And that's what we are. And then on the overhead, J.I. Packer, he goes on to say this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Yeshua faith, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child, of having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and his prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he doesn't understand Yeshua with faith very well at all. As your rabbi, I want you to understand Yeshua faith well. Which means I want to encourage you to make much of the thought of being God's child. Of having God as your father. Uh, beloved, this is central to your faith. Indeed, listen to how Paul puts it, uh, Romans 8, 15. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we're children, we're his heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Messiah. If indeed we, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Think of it. If you are in Messiah Yeshua, you are a child of God. He is your Abba Father. You've been adopted into his family as his son, as his daughter. And I want this reality to prompt and control and animate your worship and your prayers and your work and your friendships and your marriage and your family, your entire outlook on life. 
And this text here in 1 John 3, it speaks directly uh, to this reality. 1 John 2.28 starts out by calling us dear children. And then 1 John 3 repeats this theme over and over again. John is talking to true believers in Yeshua. And chapter 3 highlights five truths of being a messianic believer. So on the overhead, number one of these five truths. For the Yeshua follower, God is your perfect father. God is our perfect father. And that's really good news for all of us. Uh, For you who are in this audience who are children, who are students, who are teens, who are young adults, who who are older adults. It's good news for you who don't have a father. Of a father who's active in your life. Or for you who grew up without a dad at home. It's good news for you who did not have a good loving dad. It's good news to hear that God is your perfect father. Psalm 68 verse 5. The Lord is the father to the fatherless. And a defender of widows. God sets the lonely in families. And this is good news even if you have a great father. Because no matter how good your dad is, the Lord is a lot better than him. Infinitely better than him. God is perfectly loving. Perfectly kind. Perfectly wise. God knows, or he always knows, and he always does what's best for you. He's perfectly powerful. He's never unable to act on your behalf. He's perfectly knowledgeable. He knows everything about your life. There is nothing hidden from him, past, present, or future. And God is perfectly good. So, my brothers and sisters of Bethlehem, think about it. The all-perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, perfectly kind, perfectly loving, uh, sovereign of the universe is your dad, your heavenly father. 1 John 3, 1 again. Behold, what manner of love is this? The Father has lavished on us that we should be called his children. And that's what we are. We talked about this, if you were here a couple of times, weeks ago, this word manner, uh, what manner of love, it implies astonishment uh, and amazement. Literally, it means uh, from what country? Uh, from what planet <laughs> does this love come from? John, said, John here is saying the Father's love is so unearthly, uh, so foreign to anything we know or have ever, have ever experienced. It's otherworldly. The Father has otherworldly, out of this world, love for you. If you're in Messiah Yeshua, his son, think about it. This is how much God loves you. God's your heavenly father. You belong to his family. So salvation is not simply God sitting on a bench and declaring you forgiven of all your sin as if that's the end of the story on the overhead. Yes, when you repent, when you place your trust in Yeshua, God does forgive you of all your sin. But then what happens? Then he rises from the bench. He comes down to where you are. He takes off your chains. And he says, come home with me, my son, my daughter. The God of the universe says this to you. How is that possible? This leads to truth number two on the overhead. So number one, Yeshua, uh, God's a perfect father. Number two, Yeshua is our perfect brother. Yeshua is our perfect brother. I know it almost feels inappropriate to to say he's our brother. uh, Because we think of Yeshua as our savior, as our redeemer, as our Lord, our Messiah, our king. But not as our brother. 
But look at what the scriptures say. Hebrews 2 verse 11. But he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That's why he, Yeshua, is not ashamed to call them brothers. Saying, I'll tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I'll sing your praise. And again, he he says, here I am and the children that God has given me. Listen to how Yeshua refers to his disciples. After he rose from the dead, he says this in Matthew 28, uh, verse 10. Don't be afraid, but go and tell my brothers and go to Galilee uh, and there they will see me. John 20, 17. Yeshua says to Miriam, don't cling to me for I've not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father uh, and to your father, to my God and to your God. Uh, And Mark 3, 35. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister. The Bible clearly teaches Yeshua is the unique son of God. He's the second person of the triune Godhead. He's God in the flesh. But he's also our perfect brother, who's made it possible for us to be adopted into God's family. This is what 1 John chapter 3 is all about. Look at the descriptions of Yeshua here. Now, he's righteous, he's pure. In him, there's no sin. He's sinless. Uh, He's perfect, righteous, pure, sinless, totally unlike us. (laughs) He's our perfect brother who came to take away our sins. 1 John 3, verse 5. He was manifested to take away our sins, and in him, there is no sin. And then 1 John 3, verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, why did Yeshua come? For this purpose, the Son of God appeared, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil's very nature is to sin. He was a sinner from the beginning. Ever since Genesis 3, the devil has been tempting us, tempting all men and women, every single one of us, uh, to, to sin. He's tempting you to turn aside and do your own thing into your own ways uh, and, away, and, not, and not to do God's thing, way and God's will. He tries to lead you aside from life into death. That's the devil's work. Yeshua comes to destroy the work of the devil. How does he do this? First John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this so you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Yeshua the Messiah, the righteous one. He is the propitiation, a fancy word. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeshua left his heavenly throne, and he came to earth in the incarnation. He lived without sin, and he died to pay the price of sin, to atone for your sins and mine. He is the atoning sacrifice for your sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead in victory over sin, over sin and death and devil and and hell and the grave. That's a good big brother to have. One who's conquered death. One who's conquered the devil. And the Bible says all who turn from their sin and turn from their self and turn to and trust in Yeshua are now adopted into God's family as a child of God. And I am praying through the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart that God will adopt some people into his family even today. If you're not sure you're a child of God, if you don't know God is your father, Because if you not put your saving trust in Yeshua as your Messiah and Savior and Lord, I want to invite you to be adopted into God's family today. That can happen for you today. 
And if you'd like to join God's family, I want you to come up and speak to me afterwards today. And this will be an eternally great day for you. So in the overhead, number one, God's our perfect father. Number two, Yeshua's our perfect brother. Now the third truth is that even though we've been adopted into God's family, we remain imperfect children. None of us is a perfect child. We still struggle with sin. Now, there's plenty of people, maybe some of you, who say, hey, uh, I know the Bible. I was raised in church. I was raised in synagogue. I know all this stuff. But you're living the way you want to live. You're, you're, you're using your money. You're using your sexuality. You're using your time and your talents and your life in ways that you want to use them, even though you know it's against God's word. If you say, I'm a believer, but, but, but I have to sleep with him or her. Uh, I have to view pornography. Uh, I have to spend my money on myself. I have to hold on to resentments and grudges and unforgiveness uh, against somebody else. Uh, I have to gossip against that person. You know what you're doing? You're insulting the goodness of God. You're saying, if I obey completely, if I submit completely to God... I won't be happy. Yeshua, he can't satisfy me. If I give myself utterly to him, he can't satisfy me. I need all these other fleshly things to make me happy. If this is you, you are not living in the reality of 1 John 3, 1. Behold how great is the love of the Father. He's lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. You're not living a new life as a child of God. You're insulting the love of God. You're insulting the goodness of God. The way to become pure isn't simply to say, I'm going to do better, uh, I'm going I'm to do it, I'm, I'm going to try harder, uh, I'm going to get up early and read my Bible, uh, I'm going to say no to temptation, I'm going to have an accountability partner. All these things are good, but they're not the heart of it. You must put your hope in the return of Yeshua and make him the meaning of your life. 1 John 3, verse 2 says, We know that when Messiah appears, we shall be like him. For we see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. This must be what or who you're living for. Yeshua and his return to establish his kingdom from Yerushalayim. You must fill your mind with him. Your heart must overflow with love for him. Purity flows out of a heart set on Yeshua's love for you and your love for him. And an overwhelming thanksgiving for Yeshua covering you by his blood, forgiving your sins, making you a child of God, adopting you into his family. Purity flows out of setting your heart on the eternal destiny of glory the Lord has for you at his return. Hoping in it, filling your mind with it, uh, meditating on it, uh, living with this ultimate goal in mind savoring it, turning it over and over in your mind, setting your heart on the coming of Messiah uh, and seeing him face to face and becoming like him. We know that when Messiah appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The motive for holiness in your life will be white hot as you put your hope in these coming realities. If the Father has made you his child through your trust in and your complete submission to Yeshua, then his name is now on you. Your life is to be representing Yeshua as his ambassador because you're bearing his name. 
and the world is watching you and watching your life. Uh, and by your life, you're saying to the world, this is what my heavenly father is like. You have the name of God on you and in you. And the world sees who God is through you. To the degree you understand this, you will receive power not to sin. But you will not want to dishonor God's name. Likewise, one of the reasons you're tempted to sin and why you lack self-control is because you're seeking honor somewhere else other than what you have in Yeshua. You are going to rule and reign with Messiah forever. A billion years from now, you won't even remember what a president of the U.S. is or what a Roman emperor is because because you will have something far greater than what they ever had. (laughs) More power, more glory, more honor. The honor of being a Yeshua follower, the honor of being a child of God is far greater than any earthly ruler. That's how you deal with temptation. You say to yourself, what kind of applause could I want that I don't already have in Messiah? What kind of satisfaction could I want that I don't already have in Messiah Yeshua? You have everything you could ever want in Messiah Yeshua. Think on this. That's how holiness grows in your life. That's how purity grows. To the degree you know this and live in this, the temptations go away. You can't be tempted by the world or the flesh or the devil if you realize you have everything in Messiah Yeshua. But that's not how most of us think or live, is it? Our heart is impure. We still struggle with sin. And the more I study and the more I meditate on this book of 1 John the more I see my sin. If you read First John with an open heart, it's a deeply convicting book. <laughs> the word of God, it's alive, it's powerful, it's active. It will lay bare the evil that still remains in your heart. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, but everything is open and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Indeed, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, tells us this. He, the Lord, will bring to light what's hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. But we have a good father. Because we're assured this, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I urge you to confess your sins to the Lord today, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his cleansing. I know that I am so sinful, but that God is so merciful. We are all imperfect children of God. I am. You are. We all are. Even as children of God, we still sin. We're still motivated by self-centeredness and pride uh, and the flesh far more than we care to admit. We still do our own way instead of God's way. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Do you really know your own heart? Jeremiah, the next verse, Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to their deed, what their deeds deserve. 
Now that's a scary thought. The Lord searches your heart and examines your mind and nothing is hidden from his sight and that one day you will have to give an account for every thought, every attitude, every intention, uh, every conduct, every word, every deed. We have a perfect heavenly father, but we are imperfect children. Parents, how often do you fall short in loving your kids and raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Children, teens, young adults, how often do you rebel against your parents? We fail our children, we fail our parents all the time. But our God never fails. He, he never fails. He never gives bad advice. He never disciplines us out of hate or anger, but out of love and of wanting our best. God is the perfect father. He always knows what's best, and he always does what's best. Did we, in our fallenness, we are prone not to trust him. To think that we know better than God uh, what's best for us. We are prone to rebel against his word. And when we sin and are not following God, our father, who then are we following? 1 John 3, verse 8. The one who, who does what's sinful is of the devil. Because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason why the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Do you hear that? John says, when you sin, you are like the devil. According, you're acting in rebellion against God and against his word. Just like the devil does. When we sin, we are following the devil who hates us and who wants us to sin. And he wants to lead us into hell and death. Instead of our perfect heavenly father who loves us, wants to give us eternal life and lead us into his heavenly realm. So when we sin, what does the imperfect child of God do? We confess our sins. We hate them. We run from them. We no longer desire them or dwell upon them. We change our ways. We have godly sorrow. We repent. And Yeshua is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua the Messiah, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Yeshua, your perfect brother, is your paraclete, your, your advocate, who's the atoning sacrifice, uh, who, who covers you, who wipes away your sins, so that when you confess your sin, when you turn from it, when you say, I don't want to do that anymore, I don't want to think that anymore, then by his grace and his mercy, he forgives you, and he restores you to fellowship with your heavenly father. I loved my dad. He loved me so much. He was active in my life in so many ways, even despite his divorce and remarriage. I look back with regret on the times I dishonored him, on the times I disobeyed him. And I would go to him and I would apologize. And of course, he would forgive me. And from this experience, I learned more and more how to trust him. And this is what we need to be doing with our Heavenly Father. To learn more and more to trust him. And in particular, to trust him more than we trust ourselves. And when you sin to him, go to him. Receive his forgiveness. Grow in your experience of the blessed life you have in your heavenly father. That he's designed for you. This is the essence, the core of Messianic Judaism. Uh, this is the first fruits of the kingdom of God that Yeshua has brought near for you. 
imperfect children with a perfect father growing in his grace as we're conformed into Messiah's image. On the overhead, that now leads to our fourth truth. Oh, we, we now live to display the family likeness. So number one, God's our father. Number two, Yeshua is our brother. Number three, we're imperfect children. But number four, Yeshua has destroyed the works of the devil. And sin no longer has power over us. So we're now free to experience life as God's children. And to grow more and more into the likeness of Yeshua and our heavenly father. We see this in our own families, don't we? For better or for worse. You who are parents, don't you see yourself and your kids in both good and, and not so good ways? You men, uh, you might look at yourself and say, I've become my dad. And you women, you might look at yourself and say, I've become my mom in both good and bad ways. But the good news is if God is your heavenly father, the more you become like him, the better it always is. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's the messianic life, growing to imitate our heavenly father as his children. How? By being conformed into the image of our brother, Yeshua. Romans 8.28, we know that for those who are loved by God and are called according to his purpose, that all things work together for good. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. If you put your saving faith in Yeshua, then God has a guaranteed destiny for you to be conformed to the image of his son and to be adopted into his family. Your whole purpose is to be conformed to the image of Yeshua. For the believer, all things work together for good towards, those end, towards that end, that you might become more and more like Yeshua. Which is why 1 John 3 says all that it says. Look at 1 John 3 verse 2. We know that when Messiah appears, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Oh, have this hope in him. Purify themselves, even as he is pure. And then John goes on to say that true believers don't live in a lifestyle of sin. Look at 1 John 3 verse 6. No one who, who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. John says those who continue to practice sin as a lifestyle do not know Yeshua. They are not children of God. First John 3, verse 9. No one who's born of God will continue to practice sin because God's seed remains in them. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. Now when John says, keep on sinning, he's not saying a, a true believer never sins. Uh, but the word picture here uh, is actively, continually practicing sin without confession, without repentance, without a desire to turn from your sin. What John is saying here, for the believer, for the child of God, persistent sin against God without confession, without repentance is inconceivable. A child of God is born again by God's spirit, whereby God's seed lives in you. You have new life. The seed is growing. It's new life in Messiah Yeshua. You're growing into his likeness, into the family likeness. And so you flee sin. And on the overhead, and as a believer, if you do sin, you don't stay there. You don't live in it. You flee from it. You hate it. You confess it. You fight it. And each time you're tempted, you fight it with greater diligence and greater passion because you hate it all the more. Why? 
Because you want to be like Yeshua. That's what it means to be a Messianic believer. You desire more than anything else to follow Yeshua with your life. And you hate the fact that you still fall short. Because you don't want to fall short anymore. Because he is your loving heavenly father. So you want to follow his ways and enjoy his life. And as a result, you cannot wait to the day when you won't sin anymore. On the overhead, which leads to the fifth and final truth. As a child of God, you are looking forward to the family reunion. 1 John 3, 2 discusses Yeshua's return, his second coming. He says, but we know that when Messiah appears, we'll be like him. We will see him as he is. This word appear refers to the arrival of a king or a ruler uh, with majesty and splendor. Uh, so here's the picture. Yeshua came the first time as a suffering servant to destroy the works of the devil. And he's coming back not as a suffering servant, but as a conquering king. And, and this time he'll arrive in Jerusalem, not on a lowly donkey, but on a white horse. And he won't come to destroy the works of the devil, but as one who's already destroyed the works of the devil. And Messiah will reclaim the kingdom that belongs to him. And, and 1 John 3, 2 says, we're going to be like him because we're going to see him face to face. Literally. Physically. There's going to be a day when suddenly, instantly, you will see him. You are going to see the return of Yeshua in all of his glory. So my brothers and sisters of Etzchayim, look forward to that day more than you look forward to anything. Look forward to that day more than you look forward to your wedding day. Look forward to that day more than you look forward to your high school, your college graduation, or your next promotion, or your retirement Look forward to that day more than you look forward to anything in this world. Because on that day, you're going to see him and become like him. Free from sin. Free from sorrow. Free from death. Free to live forever with Yeshua as a child of God. God, your perfect father. Yeshua, your perfect brother. Together with fellow brothers and sisters from every nation and race and a tribe and a tongue and ethnic group supernaturally adopted into God's family. You know, each week, uh, Dan publishes on our, our email list uh, prayer requests uh, from our EC family. Uh, prayers for healing of cancer, uh, prayers for healing of strokes, prayers for successful surgery, prayers for finances and jobs, prayers for a new car. Uh, prayers for uh, housing, uh, prayers for healing of marriages, prayers for restoration of relationships, prayers for children to repent of their rebellion and, and to obey their parents, prayers for repentance and forgiveness, prayers for salvation of, of your loved ones, and on and on. Uh, all these various hurts uh, and pains and struggles. But my brothers and sisters in Yeshua, I don't remind you today based on God's word here in 1 John 3, that you have a father in heaven who is perfect. And you have a perfect brother at his right hand, Yeshua, who's even now interceding for you. And he knows all these things we're praying for, all these prayer requests and needs. And one day, the father's going to say to the son at his right hand, it's time. And the son is going to come back. And on that day, war will be no more. And cancer will be no more. And disabilities will be no more. And divorce will be no more. 
And broken relationships will be restored. And sin and sorrow will cease. And death itself will finally and fully be destroyed. So as imperfect children, I exhort you to live every day to grow into his likeness. And as you do, as Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, let's be fixing our eyes on Yeshua, on the overhead. Acting uh, uh, as the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. That's Chaim. Keep looking forward to this ultimate family reunion where you will see his face and you will join his family from all nations and tongues as Yeshua wipes away every tear from your eyes forever and ever. And know the wonder of what it means to say, I am a child of God. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Thank you, Lord. I'd like the music team to come on up, please. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that in Messiah Yeshua, we become your children. We're adopted into your family. We cry out, Abba, Father. You become our Father. Yeshua becomes our Lord and King and Redeemer and brother. We realize that's not who we are in the natural. By nature, we're separated from you by our sin. That's what we were, spiritual orphans. Not children of God, but children of wrath. But in Messiah Yeshua, by surrendering our life to him, by submitting to you, Yeshua, we are born again. We become children of God. We're adopted into your family. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And now our heart overflows uh, with wonder and thanksgiving uh, and gratitude and love. Uh, Behold what great love you've lavished on us, that we should be called your children. And in Messiah, that's who we are. Lord Yeshua, you invaded our world, crossing all boundaries of sin, not sending an angel, but, but coming yourself dying on the cross to rescue us from sin and death and the grave and hell and the devil and to make us your child. In you, Yeshua, we've been adopted by God. We're now part of your family and we want to live in such a way as now to be conformed into the family likeness, to love one another, to be quick to forgive, quick to release all bitterness and hatred and resentment and jealousy and superiority and pride quick to walk in purity and holiness and righteousness and humility and mercy. We know that we've passed from death to life if we love one another. And we look forward to that great family reunion one day when we will see you face to face and become like you. We pray this all in your name, Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.